Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. And this is Trav. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of finding out that the world that you saw is just not, it's, it's just not important anymore because suddenly the way to hire things is now before you. What do you mean we went down this road and we're where? Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't that sound a little elitist, huh? Uh <sighs> And what we are talking about is epic level gaming. Now, any of you who come to the uh, D&D 3.0, 3.5, whatever, probably knew about this thing called the epic level handbook. And I just want to tell you that I don't agree with it. Not in a lot of regard. Now, some regards probably. But I'm saying is that the number one thing we I want to mention right off the bat is epic level is not just more power. Okay. It's yeah. It's uh. It's not just you suddenly getting a plus twenty to your rolls instead of just a plus ten. Okay. It's about you being able to do things that mortal men just couldn't even dream about. And I suppose it takes experienced players as well as an experienced GM trying to run an a, a epic level game with new players. It it won't work because experienced gamers are the ones that are going to get the stakes involved not only oh this is going to totally change the campaign world but also the emotions that will run through both the players and what the players will put it through the characters in the course of running this art adventure campaign what have you you can't drop this on normal you know not normal um less experienced gamers because they just don't have the experience to deal with what happens when all the marbles are at stake? And <coughs> if if you have those one or two people that just are not into it, it will show. It won't take very long for that to pop up where you're just seeing, okay, that those one or two people there are the problem with this. Take them aside, talk to them, try to explain to them what's going on to try to get them on board because it will bring everybody down as they're trying to do this. And then we got the two here who are trying to, they want to busk to make money and the other one wants to try to seduce the barmaid. That's going to bring everybody down and that's where you might end up getting the adversarial aspect going on. Yeah. <clears throat> well, there's a, there's a demon stalking the streets that needs to be uh, dealt with. Right, but you're too busy wanting to, you know, find ways to, you know, art of, you know, magical items to enhance your perform skills so you can get more coin. No, it's like the meme. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it just, it it's, and I, I'll even admit I tried doing an epic campaign arc, I mean, through all four of my campaigns. Granted, it was kind of Green Lantern-esque, you know, it was people that could, like, hack reality, and so they were protectors. And it didn't work more due to scheduling of the players, and I just had to, you know, kind of, out of five campaigns, only one of them has one of these characters. But, as I said, you gotta get every, if you want a truly epic, epic level campaign to run you got to have everybody buy in in every way players have to be involved as far as not only playing the characters but being able to be part of this 
Because if you're doing epic level playing, a lot of absences aren't going to help because there will be that, yes, this person who is wielding, you know, um, fill in the name of the artifact that helps with the campaign. Oh, he's going to be gone on vacation for the next three sessions because he's got work. <laughs> you know, it just, it, it. Yeah, it's like, yeah, we had the guy with the magical artifact, but he was back there blue-thumbing, you know. It, it kind of, it, it has to work on all levels. You have to have everybody buy into it. Everybody has to be there. The players are yeah. putting in 110% just like the GM is. Yeah, better that you take your, 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 that particular campaign and put it on ice for a while until everybody can get back to the table and, yeah. and, and be equally committed. Because you know you can't. That's just that's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, like, because because well, let's say let's say uh, you you did you, you know he's gone three weeks and you complete the quest and you succeeded and that person didn't get to be there and that means that for the next year you guys are going to be talking about that amazing thing you did and they're just going to be sour grapes. Well, I mean you're going to be like you know it's like yeah we beat them. Well it's. Well, then you got to have, like, you know, okay, well, this person can't use the artifact. The other player has to use it. Well, then, yeah, you're going to have the sour Well, It's like, well, it was my, you know, artifact. Your character wasn't here. We need the artifact to complete the quest. So somebody else picked it up and had to use it. So, yeah, you're right. going to have sour grapes, and it's just... Which which you don't... The way you avoid it is by basically just putting it on ice. Yeah, I'm a, I mean, my whole reality night storyline that where this character quit the campaign and these others couldn't do it because of scheduling, and in the Friday night past Bureau 13 game, I have one reality night out of all at the time five campaigns and i'm like okay i'm trying to throw in things that are still reality night based even though you know it was supposed to be like multiverse spanning and yeah problem is i'm committed to this character having this i can't just like change the levels for this class that allows her character to do this so i gotta rework it and try to and if I can bring it back again in the other campaigns, then Laura with Fidget will be all set and it's on. It's just, yeah, when you do an epic level campaign, it's, yeah, there's a lot of planning, but there has to be a lot of synchronicity. It's just a GM's got to know, okay, this is going to work out because everybody will be here. This is something that, you know, we can do that maybe an absence will be fine. But if this person's going to be gone for two months because they have to go across country, it's part art, part science. That's the best way to describe it. There are some rational parts that you do in order to make this happen. And there's just gut feeling stuff that you got to do. And I mean, that's game mastering in general, but when you do epic level games because of the the heights of the themes involved and the depths of the themes involved you really have to you know that that art and science thing takes on a whole new meaning because yeah there's stuff you got to plan for there's stuff you have to discuss with your players to get them all on board and even then they're just um it's like a jazz riff those of you who are are jazz aficionados and you're seeing and hearing the band play. After a while, it just becomes a gestalt. It's not six people playing instruments together and it's, it's you know, meshing as a song. It's what's known as a jazz riff. Riff, not rift. Riff, R-I-F-F. Where everybody's just coasting along and you get caught up in the music and it makes this whole new sound. It's still the song being played, but you know where it's no longer planned and there everybody's just doing their own thing for the benefit of that particular piece. <coughs> it's the same with epic level gaming. Yeah, going along on a planned trip with this story 
but there's just moments where the game will seem to carry itself. It does take the planning, though. If you get the planning done, the game will end up carrying on a life of its own because you are dealing with things that are bigger than yourself, player and character-wise. And as I said, the Reality Night storyline, not so much. I'm kind of putting that massive thing on hold and I just have the one character being a Reality Night. But if I get the chance to bring that back, I'm going to bring it back in force. It's going to be just... It'll be glorious because I've had all this time to plan now. I can bring all these ideas back and say, okay, here you go. You know, we've done this. We started it off. Here we go. And... This storyline deals with, like, multiversal domination by one being, and these reality knights are trying to stop this. And, of course, there's, you know, massive levels of pawn manipulation. There are, you know, beings who want to use the code, the reality code for their own. So, yeah, there's a lot of different levels of good versus evil that are involved in this. And when I get all the pieces back together, or new pieces... I'll be able to do this epic level gaming and it should be glorious. But when you are trying to do this, another word here I'm looking for, um, you have to make sure intellectually and emotionally that everything is in sync. Because again, the players and characters will be dealing with themes bigger than themselves. They're, okay. they're intellectually playing the game, but they're investing a whole new level of emotion. Right. You know, they're, the, the, the game sort of co-ops co the players. Yeah, but it doesn't take them over completely. It, no, no. Yeah, because, I mean, they're, they're, that's where you end up getting into Rona Jaffe's Mazes and Monsters level stuff there. And we don't, we don't want to go there. But, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, God, it's good working with a professional. I mentioned that before and it was a gamer and they were like, huh? Like, you never saw the Tom Hanks TV movie? Come on now. But, um, yeah, it, it does. <laughs> yeah. And so, just with, as I said, when you take it to this next level with epic level gaming, when you bring this whole new level of awesome to the game, which, you know, here on this podcast, that's what we're all about. That's what we help you listeners. We, we give you the tools for you to do that. When you get into epic level gaming, okay, I'm experienced enough, done this enough, played different types of games. We're level, we are le bleh, ready, not ready to speak. Uh, we are ready to take it to this whole new higher plateau. And speaking of that, uh, so things will start happening to your uh, in, in the game. For example, all your equipment will start begin to have names. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, uh, Triton and his Winona. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but but your sword is now the sword of Bunker Hill or the scepter of Constantinople. It's not your plus one sword or your plus three sword. You know, everything begins to have a name. Your suit of armor, your buckler, your shield, uh, even your boots may end up being something that. You know, and, and again, if these are all coming from these various people who have basically given their, you know, their family relics over to you so that you might complete this quest, then yes, they're going to be coming with names. 
that will identify, you know, so that, you know, when you tell the story of this, they're, you know, the names of their families, the names of, of these great deeds that, that, that they reference will also be part of that story. Oh, yeah, you are going to have, you know, all these uh, story. I mean, this, these are the adventures that bards will write ballads about, and your equipment will even be sung about. You know, the ballad of, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there will be, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, I'm sure that Norse warriors, Norse, uh, what, what do they call their bards? Scalds. Norse skalds probably had songs about Mjolnir and, you know, how it, you know, the lightning parted the heavens when Thor raised it. You know, it's like that. But, yeah, the, you know, the ship that, uh, um, Greek. Uh, the Odyssey? No, no, no. The Argo. Jason the Argonauts. The ship oh. ended up becoming iconic because that was the ship that Jason and his crew went. Hence, they became the Argonauts because the ship was called the Argo. So yeah, in classic epic level stories, objects gain notoriety. And they may not be objects of power. They may not be like, as far as I know, the Argo was just a sailing ship, but it's because it's the ship that they used to get around, it got the fame. Now yeah, in in like the epic level handbook and the mythic adventures, you know, they got um, uh, mythic tier abilities that allow you to have special weapons, either legendary items or what's one of the mythic heroes handbook from legendary games. Heirlooms. Now, both of them are weapons that they are above and beyond magic items. They're not quite artifacts. And they're not quite the um, intelligent items that you see in the DMG and the core rulebook. But they are just, these are the items that ballads are sung about. Oh, yes, when, you know, the adventurer lifted his sword, you know, it shined with a bright light that scared away anything evil that had a dark heart or, um... Excalibur's scabbard. I believe the myth was that what King Arthur had the scabbard on, he could not be cut. His cuts would not bleed. Okay, so yeah, he'd just there with open cuts, but he wouldn't bleed to death, yeah. So even the scabbard was, you know, was legendary. It, sure. It, it, I think it was either Merlin or the Lady of the Lake that bestowed that ability with the, you know... I forget how, but yeah, it's basically even the scabbard was considered legendary. Of course, it held a legendary sword, but even the scabbard itself had a magical ability. So yeah, equipment gaining legendary status will happen. Now, I, the boots, come on. <laughs> I know that's a facetious example, but still, it's like, again, it's back to the, the, the plaque outside the guy's tavern. Yeah, these famous adventurers drank here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Trav, I have the power pasties, and I know how to use them. <laughs> I'm laughing yet I'm crying inside. Just <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, failure should be hard to achieve, except uh, unless you you're, it's being caused by the fact you delayed. Remember earlier we said don't let things get away, or you're confronting the antagonist, and the system needs to support this so the players can you know bank their actions on it. You know the, the oh well we're we're going to charge the keep but we can't get through the door. You know our lockpick broke. Or someone rolled a one on their on their whatever check. Okay, this is not where this is not what you should be having in you know epic level play. A, you should you know either it shouldn't have you shouldn't even make a roll for certain things. 
if you're in a dramatic situation, you need to keep the flow going. So if it means that they auto, you know, go through a lock, they auto go through a lock. You know, if it means that uh, a whole bunch of the low-level schmoes just basically get just knocked out or they run in terror before you guys charging at them, they just break and run, fine. That actually adds to it, you know, that, that people who are below a certain level, just like, you know, dragons have this aura of fear around them, the characters third level and below can't even, don't even get a saving throw against it. You know, it should be like that for some epic level characters. When they have their, you know, when they have the gate face on, you know, or, you know, the gate faces on the armor and they got their helm down and they are coming, you know, uh, then it's like, okay, just, we are stepping aside. This, this, you know, just, excuse us, you know, it's you know, like the song, you know, I'm out of here, you know, <laughs> you know, screw this, I'm out. Yeah, mm -hmm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, you see it coming, it's like, there is nothing to do to stop this. I. It's not even cowardness. It's just literally just acknowledging the reality that is occurring around you. And like, okay, so I can just stand here and become mincemeat, or I can just walk over there, and it's somebody else's problem. You know, it's above our pay grade. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, what, yeah. Whatever term you want to use for it, somebody else's problem. You know, <laughs> you know that's sometimes that happens. You know, sometimes, and you know, and it's, and and. So often in movies and things like that, the people that acknowledge that are, are, are painted as craven cowards or, or something like that. And a lot of times... Hell no, no. It's so, that's self-preservation, son. That's like, okay, it's, yeah, crazy, it's, it's, not stupid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. They, they are seeing, you know, they, they, they are seeing the, the veil drops. They are seeing reality as it is in that second, and they realize that where their place is. And usually their place is over there. Yeah, this looks like a job for somebody else. Somebody yeah. else, somebody else. Yeah. You betcha. And that and that really helps the uh, you know the the, the uh, epic level characters because they got people getting out of their way, and you don't have these stupid things where I've got six layers of combatants you know slowing you down. You know, I mean, if you really want to do that, the GM should say after after fighting your way through six levels of combat, you know, uh, you now are entering into the throne room, but don't actually do it. That's just that's just you know. Uh, oh no, I, they they have um, uh, story tropes, and again, Scorch <coughs> Studios does this where it's okay. You want to make you know it's yeah the the where you have the term popcorn. Oh look, it's you know like a thousand mooks or goons. They right. say just give them two hit points. These guys are meant to be mowed down. Yeah, you can sit there and do your combat maneuver, and you take out three of them at one time because the bullet just goes right through three of them. Like in that scene in uh, Last Crusade where Indy picks up the Nazi pistol and shoots and goes through the three guys standing in front of him. Things like that. Mecha sure. Yeah. Yeah, something you, that shouldn't happen, but yeah. Well, if you find a mechanic while you're running this epic level campaign that allows your players to do things like that, use it because that'll help them with the buy. And it's like, yes, these people did not you know, they are, you know, forces. They are cannon fodder for the great evil and they are sent against us. Fine, we're going to walk through them. In Bestiary 6, they have now the troop. Okay, Bruce, um, when we did Fringeworthy D20, you did the swarms for the Melor. Yeah. And it, it's anything up to tiny or smaller and it's hundreds of creatures. In Best yeah. Area 6, they've done the same thing for small creatures and above. It's just they call it a troop. And you can mix and match certain advantages. It'll raise the lower the CR, but it's like, 
oh, look, it's a troop with better armor or ranged weapons, or it's they got Berserker Rage. That's another thing that you can do. I've run campaign uh, in my campaigns, I've used the troop rules, and my characters, yeah, they're anywhere now, the, the four games are anywhere from 10th to 13th level. So they've got decent area effect spells. <coughs> I did the math for my Sunday game, and I had, it was 200 goblins as a group of troops. Uh, Pixie's husband, Jeff DeRef, played this Karsis and just brought in Cloud Kill and Firestorm. In three, I, I told him, in three rounds, you took out 180 goblins with these. And of course, he's like, yes, because he walked through them. This this epic level quest that they're on, bouncing from the dimension, they were in this dimension, and this goblin horde was attacking, and he just walked through them with the application of two or three spells like it was nothing. And so I described it. Yes, the battle is over. As you walk over crunchy goblin corpses as their hands are locked around their own throats from the repeated cloud kills. And it gave Jeff a sense of, holy crap, I just my character just took out 180, 180 goblins. Because, again, it was trying to evoke that sense of you are even above other 13th level characters because of the power you wield. And so, if you can find a mechanic that will help your players walk through certain... I mean, they may affect normal characters, but if you're an epic level character and you are going through this epic level scenario, if you can find a mechanic that will just let popcorn be popcorn, use it and and there's no shame in that game. Because that's the whole point. When you're an epic level character, you're going to walk through the popcorn. You saw in Lord of the Rings what the, the three characters, Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas, did to hundreds of opponents. And what did Gimli say with the elephant and all those soldiers? That only counts as one! <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, but they did all that. They took out like, you know, 30 guys in 15 seconds. Right. Just use the mechanics. Don't feel ashamed because that if that gives the players the feeling of like like with Jeff. Yeah, I just in 3 rounds I wiped out 180 goblins with using just two spells. So, yeah, do it. It helps with the the feel of the game. Okay. So, uh the last thing is I had is is a character should have insight or inspiration that goes beyond what other people expect them to have. They, they, they have the ability to cut through the dross to what matters most. Uh, I don't know if you want to call it combat awareness, whether you just want to, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, they, they, need, they need to have this kind of ability to just go and, and realize, you know, this, this you, know, we, you know, you people go home. You people stay back. You people come with us. We're hitting the, you know, we're we're going forward right now, and and now's the time, you know, now's the time to to strike. Uh, what and, and they may even know why. They just have the ability to to absorb and process all this information, you know, uh, and 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 basically come up with a a workable battle plan or uh, see a weakness that nobody else saw before or something that debate or just this is now's the time to move. You know, why is it that, you know, the heroes survive when everyone else died? Well, for some reason they realized that now was the time to go and they did and they did survive. You know, so uh, it's I, I, in a lot of epic level stories, you see this kind of thing happening where people just somehow, you know, do the right thing at the right moment um, and it's and and the and they and they went through. They, it's not just luck. I guess you know you might call it divine favor. You could call it uh, the collective unconsciousness. 
but whatever they're tapped into some amount of information that's greater than what everybody else has. <coughs> and like, I, a, I know of again, something like again, that. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. real quick. Well, I was going to say, like, but when you're talking about like the you know the D20 epic level, you know, if you have somebody who has perception and they have a plus thirty on it, okay, it doesn't mean that they can see microscopically. They just have the ability to to you know see and perceive and 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 you know work with what they're seeing and, and experiencing so much better than other people that they get a tactical advantage from it. Well, yeah, I'm I'm here in the Epic Level Handbook, and it's you know listen, defeat illusion. You can automatically detect illusion with an auditory component. You can use listen and notice the presence of an invisible creature. Spot. Um, Detecting illusions, noting noticing visible creatures. Um, let's see. As far as tactics, uh, let me look. Uh, I would probably say as far as tact. Oh, there was something that that really worked. Um, in Adventure D twenty, if you are familiar with the Trinity Universe, uh, Adventure Aberrant Trinity, it was in the storyteller form. And a few years ago, White Wolf put it in a DT form. Aberrant or Adventure D20 was the pulp era version. And they had these things called Cynax. Just psionic gifts that made people above and beyond, but not incredibly superhuman. Stuff like the shadow. Well, they had something in there called Sun Tzu's Blessing. Where if you had this third level Cynax, you were basically a tactical god. A good example of, and I mean, I really wouldn't consult this epic level gaming, but somebody who had this, Hannibal of the A-Team. If you saw the, the old series or the movie from 10 years ago, you knew that how Hannibal was, he could see 15 steps ahead of whoever he was fighting. He made these elaborate plans that always came through. And yeah, some of them got hokey, yeah. But basically, he had that tactical awareness that got him the nickname of the great general from, I believe, the Roman era. I think he was... Yeah, he's yeah. the one who basically, you know, came over the Alps and and um, and pretty much uh, conquered Rome. Yeah, but he got that name because he was just a tactical genius, and the best way to describe it in game terms would be this, this knack, Sun Tzu's Blessing. That could be one way, where you just have this guy who just has the tactical acumen... He's fought hundreds of battles. He Like Aragorn. Aragorn, probably the best example of Lord of the Rings. He was just... I mean, yeah. Gimli was, you know, just strength and axes. Legolas, sight, and his archery skills. Aragorn was the tactician. He just knew how to run a battle. And your characters, if you're going to have somebody like that in the game where they are just... Okay, this he is the battle god. He... No, he does not have high levels of profession, soldier, knowledge, tactics, or what's the one from Path of War? Knowledge Marshal. No, he just has this gift. And at that, and if you're doing an epic level game, you might even just give it as GM Fiat. Okay, I know that Joe's character over there is the fighter. He was in an army. He's been through battles. You just get this sense that this is the time. And just give it to them. As much as I've been saying, try to find mechanics to, to allow this to go. Again, this is the planning part. There is also the 
intuitive part. If somebody is just that good with a skill or a concept or some type of talent, just give it to them. It helps the story along. If the fighter or the barbarian just knows it's time to fight, just say, you know. You can pick this out. You can see what he's going to do. How are you going to react? No die roll needed. You're just that damn good. Or like the wizard. Okay, let's say if this is a high fantasy game where you are... Um, what's the term I'm looking for? If, if magical forces are what's... Then you're going to have the wizard. It's like the stars are right. You know that this is going to happen. There is no knowledge arcana role. There is no knowledge planes role. You just give the character that information. Because everybody knows he's the go-to guy on magic. If it's due to some dark god, you give it to the priest. If it's something about um, dealing with, you know, the underworld of a city, you know, like, let's say you're in, oh, what was the city, Planescape? Sigil! And, yeah. you're, and you're a rogue, and you know how the underbelly of a city works. The rogue knows this. Again, no die rolls. It's, it's like Sigil is just a variation on a theme. It's like the biggest city you've ever been in. And as they say in Spinal Tap, turn to 11. But you know how the city works. It's like, hey, it work in this city. Sigil can't be that far off. And just give them... That's the intuitive part of the game, where just let them have it. It's for the sake of the keeping the story going. <clears throat> hmm. Seems both of us are having troubles tonight here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yep. Um, is there something as far as, because there, when originally when we talked about epic level gaming, it was, and I thought it was along the lines of the definition as per the epic level handbook that we've been talking about is, um, oh, it's epic level gaming and okay, you've slayed all the dragons, you've rescued all the princesses, you've gained wealth and power beyond your mortal recognition. Um, what I was originally thinking was, okay, where would you go when you are... What type of places would you go in an epic level campaign? Now, Lord of the Rings, yeah, you're just traveling across a continent. They just went from the Shire, you know, down through Moria, and then they ended up splitting up, you know. These went to Mordor, they went to Minas Tirith, they went to Rohan. Are we going to explore the types of locales you would have? I mean, I talked about uh, faraway vistas earlier on, but are we going to touch on the types of places that would be epic locales? Sure. Okay. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be fantasy. Pretty much every, uh, you know, the, the final scene in almost every James Bond movie has, has been some epic location that, you know, that, that, that you go to. Either, you know, you're, you're free diving to the bottom of, a, of an undersea trench and going into an undersea, you know, complex, or you're, 
you know, you're, you're, you're going out into space to try to blow up an asteroid before it, it hits the Earth. Or, you know, a lot of these places are going to be lonely. They're going to be set apart from other places. You know, in the ins you know, the top or the inside of a volcano, uh, someplace in the middle of the ocean, someplace high in the sky, uh, some, you know, some lost and, and death, you know, and, and basically someplace away, another dimension. Um, I mean, there's lots of, of, of different things you could do. It could just simply be some great complex that as is just you know has so many dire legends associated with it that nobody is you know has has been there for centuries and uh and allowing evil to grow or somebody you know uh who's evil but isn't necessarily you know in, in a fantasy sense um uh you know made their their their, their complex uh, made their their uh fortress so uh I mean, as, as usually, uh, I mean, unless you're playing things very, very close, um, uh, usually there's going to be some kind of thing like that that you're going to find yourself in, and um, it, you know, you could even it could even be like you have to travel back into time to the Jurassic period or something because they've actually made their 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 base is actually backwards in time or forwards in time to where you know the Earth is being baked by the sun that's grown to two or three times its normal size, be, you know, as a natural function of its age. So you, yeah, it has to be, you know, usually there's going to be some extremities uh, of the environment. Uh, it's going to be noteworthy just to look at it. Um, it's it's going to have challenges even reaching it. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's how I envision epic level you know, uh, locations. Well, because usually when they talk in, and they, I remember reading this in the Epic Global Handbook here, that, okay, you have, as I said, you've rescued all the princesses, you've slayed all the dragons, you've gained wealth, and you have lands, and you have a noble title, and you want to keep going. What do you do? Well, often they're saying, leave the material plane. You have the upper planes, you have the lower planes, you have the at, the transitive planes, which are astral, ethereal, and shadow. Uh, if you want to, you can do the elemental planes. Earth, fire, water, air. Um, I brought up to one of my Saturday gamers, because we're doing, in the Bureau 13 game, they're going to... Um, Necromancer games, they did City of Brass, and they did a transitive plane that earth, fire, and air all meet together called the Plane of Molten Skies. And I explained to one of my gamers, Donald, I'm like, you do realize that there are people with enough money that they'll sit there and do mining operations in the elemental plane of earth. They're like, yeah. I said, you do realize that rock is not the only thing in the elemental plane of earth. Donald just looked and said, oh yeah, that's right. I said, yeah, there are like magically backed governments and guilds <laughs> And they will sit there and mine in the elemental plane of Earth, hoping to hit that big mother load of ore, or gold, or gems, or other precious metals, or what is now known in Pathfinder as sky metals. Oh yeah. So, going to the various elemental planes, you could find all new realms of adventure. Uh, Bruce mentioned time travel. If you want to, you know, start affecting not only... The history of your world, 
or the history, you know, timelines of other worlds, um, alternate prime material planes. Okay, you've done everything you can do in Faroon, Kryn, Orth, um, Eberron, you know, the kingdoms of Calamar, whatever, you know, find, you know, totally new where you, yeah, you're powerful, but you're a stranger. You are now having to relearn this entire new world that you're in because you've done everything you can do on Faerun. You've been to Karator, you've been to Mastika, Anachrome, you've been all over the planet. Here's a whole new planet. You have to learn it from scratch. Granted, it'll be easy because you have all these high-level uh, skills and spells, but what? What's the old for, uh, Yogi Bear? Everything's new all over again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, often planar travel is a big thing. To oh, epic level gaming, and even if it's that you're not twenty-first level and you need to go on, but even an epic level campaign as far as, you know, with the grandiose themes. As I said, Lord of the Rings, they just walked across a continent. Your epic level, and it could be like a mythic game in Pathfinder. Um, you could, you know, you could be a, a fifth level character and all of a sudden you find you're, you're in the astral plane because you're looking for the artifact of a dead god or the dead god itself. Because men, oftentimes many of the large rock-like land masses floating in the astral plane are the petrified bodies of old gods. I think, um, oh, it's the, uh, the Flares? Tunarath, yeah. The city of the Flares floating in the astral plane. It looks kind of like the body of a spider. It has the thorax, the head, and the six legs sticking out. And they've built buildings on it. That could be a place, you know, that, and that's floating in the astral plane. Um, so, yeah, planar travel, dimensional travel is often a big thing to go to in both types of epic level campaigns. Post 20th level and grandiose themed epic level campaigns. Or what Pathfinder calls mythic campaigns. Um, let's see, what else besides time and dimensional travel? I'm trying to recall if there's other places, um... Uh, yeah. world ships. Ooh, uh, oh, yeah, I remember your one adventure you told me about with that, yeah. But also, you know, the Star Lost, you know, before they screwed up the concept. You know, these gigantic habitats that were connected to the main skeleton of the ship. And, uh, you know, in order to get to the front, you had to work your way through. And uh, so, you know, that... And if you don't, then they're going to crash into a sun and everyone's going to die. So that's that's one. Um, but if you're trying to think about not just like the, 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 the final place to go to, but how to actually get there as far as thematically, as far as a plot is concerned, uh, let me just suggest uh, uh, the classic hero's journey. You start off with a group of people that are talented. Uh, everyone thinks well of them. They have some success. 
<coughs> they get stronger. And then they set themselves off to take off, you know, a big bad, maybe the big bad or another big bad, and they get crushed. And they fall down, down, down. You know, they, they flee, they, they, uh, they lose things, limbs, eyeballs, equipment, everything else until there's nothing left, it seems, for them. They are complete failures. They've lost it all. And then they come to the healing place. And there they, they get better. They heal. They get their minds wrapped around what just happened to them. Maybe it's a place of, of, of not just rest but also resource. They get themselves re-equipped. They maybe they you know find the Shaolin Temple that teaches the five you know the Iron Fist technique, whatever it might be. And then all of a sudden they get reborn into their new epic level personas, for climbing back up. Kind of like it would be like Rivendell for Lord of the Rings, where Elrond takes the men and feeds them, and they gain. Oh, by the moonlight we can read this map, and yeah. Okay. But the point is is that they accelerate. They they not only get up to where they were before, but they go clear past that where they're they're take, now taking on, you know, um <coughs> threats and and challenges that before crushed them. But and they're and, and now they're succeeding until finally they reach the pinnacle where they're facing off the reason why they went on this quest in the first place. And for good or ill, they resolve it, and then afterwards, you know, there's a, they go on their way. They, they, whatever, whatever happens, whatever you see happening after the epic quest is over. I remember when I read The Lord of the Rings long, ages ago, and I remember reading about, because they don't really talk about it in the movies. They just, oh, the four hobbits traveled back to the Shire, and yeah, it was a long trip, and they're back, and they're all looking like warriors now. And no, there was an adventure where I think Merry and Pippin met up with an enemy of theirs who, oh, it was just, you know, Merry Brandebuck and Pippin took, and this guy, you know, screwed them over and all this, and they came back, and they were BMFs, and they sent this guy packing, because he realized, oh, crap, this, oh, that was them I heard about from the Tales of the Oh, God, I'm, I'm sorry, I mean, I'm, my bad, and I think Marion Pippin just gave him a good trouncing, and he ran for his life, because they, as they were heading back to civilian life, and I think we talked about this on a previous podcast where, you know, you get your butt handed to you by somebody and then you gain a few levels and then... Oh, no, the plot train. The plot train episode we were talking about. Where, yeah, it was at first level they got slapped around. Here they're now, you know, 10th, 15th level. And now they're doing the slapping because they've gained combat and experience and tactics and just they have that swagger. And that's the best way to describe it. When... We mentioned earlier about, oh yeah, you know, you walk in and the crowd clears. It's because you have that swagger about you. People look at you and just how you you carry yourself. And I think I, I think the guy's name was Sharku or something like that in the Lord of the Rings that was messing with Merry and Pippin. And when he realized, oh crap, that's Brandebuck and Took. Okay, yeah, I made a serious mistake. <laughs> 
starts backpedaling because he realizes he's about to get his butt handed to him. But yeah, um, and it's something that they mentioned in Mythic Adventures that often when you go on a mythic journey, you really, oh, <coughs> uh, there's a term. Um, it's not that you, know, you can take this out of this, but you can take that from that or something else. But basically you've become to such an epic level of lifestyle because you've been dealing with these threats and seeing these locales and dealing with these powerful beings that it's kind of hard to go back to being normal. Even right. if, if your power is temporary and it's like, oh yes, I was given this ability to do things and now I don't need it anymore. It's been taken away. And you have to go back to being, you know, like Samwise, you have to go back to being a gardener. Right. Well, this is why in most epic level tales, you know, after they complete the big quest, the king goes and says, okay, I'm granting you all adjoining um, uh, uh, territories on the edge of my territory. So, because not only that means will you keep that territory safe, you'll probably expand it. Yeah, yeah. And it keeps you and it keeps you away from all the other people that you're just too scary to be around anymore. I mean, people like that, they can take over. <laughs> the king doesn't want that to happen. And you may not want it to happen either. But a lot of times, these epic level characters, you know, they come back and they realize that, you know, the king is kind of petty. And uh, there's a lot of injustice in this kingdom. And and uh, maybe things need to change. Uh, so usually, the, you know, the powers that be are going to try to send you off on a five-year quest or, you know... <laughs> Do something to you to get you isolated from everything else that you might want to take action on because that stuff's just fine. We, you took care of the big bad. Well, thank you very much. So, you know, move all on. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's yeah, it's just you. You don't. Yeah, you've done all this, and it's like I can't. There are just some people that they'll want to stay adventuring because it's like okay, I can't go back to being a butcher or a smith. Heck. I can't or even gardener. Go. Right, exactly. I, you know, I've just seen too much. I know too much. I know what's out there. And they have to keep doing it just to, I mean, they don't want to end withering away or going insane because it's like, okay, I've seen all this and now I got to go back to my normal life. No, I can't do it. So they, they, yeah. they adventure to try to find, it's almost like a high. You've had that high, you've come down, and, you know, it's like the, ter and of course, we here at Gaming on the Frontier podcast do not condone legal drug use, but chasing the dragon. Actually, actually we, do, we, do, we do condone legal drug use. No, illegal, I said. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but there is the term for heroin addicts chasing the dragon. Oh, because yeah. that first high is always your best one and you get hooked and you want to get a high like that you don't get it from what i hear but no, it's because your body is a homeostasis system so it's trying to make everything even so whatever the your 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 first high puts your body way out of balance and so your body is going to react by saying, okay, we're not going to get so high anymore. And so you have to even more drugs to reach that point to the, yeah. to the point where people kill themselves. But yeah, yeah um, because but, <coughs> but it's just that the play, the character, you know, if the player plays it that way, it's going to be like, okay, I've seen all this stuff. I've done all this stuff. Why go back to the boring life I had where I'm not going to be, I mean, one, that adventure was cool. Yeah, I barely came back, but I mean, I made a difference. And now I'm going to go back to you know, Podunksville in the Shire and going back and being, you know, a gardener? I mean, yeah, it's a bit of an adrenaline junkie thing, but let's face it, one, you know you can do this stuff, and two, 
There might be more stuff out there that you you now know that you are, what's the term, uniquely qualified to handle. And, you know, maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe it's time for you to, uh, to step aside and let somebody else shine. Well, yeah, I mean, in that case, then, then you retire the character because you know that when you continue the campaign, it's like, yes, it's 25 years later and the great quest was done and they've all retired. You can either play them as an NPC or, you know, if you want to bring them back or, you know, use them as reference. Like, well, yes i remember when the gardener you know went on his quest and came back and he grants you his sword to use in this new quest you know yeah or you or kenichi uh, you know uh, world's mightiest disciple yeah yeah every one of his teachers is a grand master of some form of martial arts and he always feels like a to he always feels like he's a total failure in everything he does because he's a you know because you know he's he's his example are people who are legendary class warriors until he goes and somebody goes and tries to pull some stuff on him at school and he just like turns around and just knocks them down just, i mean i don't mean knocks them down i mean he puts them down and he's like whoa that was easy huh <laughs> it's like one of those it's like one of those von dom training films oh like a montage yeah you know where he, he you know he's this guy that goes off in the middle of the woods and some old guy in the in the in the jungles training him and and finally you know the old guy brings him to town gets him stinking drunk and he doesn't even know what he's doing and all these guys try to jump him and he's taking them out but you know but he doesn't know what he's doing because he's doing it all unconsciously because he's so highly trained, you know. And, and after after he basically takes out every bad guy in the bar, the old man goes and smacks him on the head, knocks him, knocks him the rest of the way unconscious, and drags him home. <laughs> yeah, so you know, it's, it's good to have those kinds of, you know, epic-level characters, you know, in the background. Because then, you know, if some, when something happens and, and you're, you know, you're new generation gets in over their head somebody can step in and save the day without it seeming like ex deus machina they actually weren't had a reason for being there you know but and the reason that they didn't do it you know what weren't there in the forefront was because i already did this well that, you know? that was something that they brought up in the epic level handbook it's like okay you have an epic level character now as in a character that has achieved 21st level are you the first epic level characters are there other epic level characters around if there are other level that other epic level characters around why are you just now finding out about them and usually it's okay yeah they did this but also it's like yeah they did their thing and they went into retirement they hid because they didn't want people bugging them constantly oh mr <coughs> so-and-so can you you know get my cat out of the tree and again you know yeah people they're everybody's constantly bugging them because they know well this guy can do everything and so that's something else that is brought up in the epic level handbook here is are you are you the first if not where are the others can you go to them for advice can they help you out do they even want to be dealt with and if you are the first then you're setting a trend you i mean the only people that know of the epic world quote unquote are beings that you once thought of as gods right and now but, you're uh, rubbing elbows with them as the yeah. term is but but think of uh, 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 Jor-el in uh, talking to Kyle in the first um, Superman movie, the one with Christopher Reeves. Yeah, and he says, you know, don't solve their problems. He says your job is to inspire them, to you know, to, perhaps to, to lead them, but always always from the sidelines. You know, uh, he's he's not supposed to become not to become the world's policeman. You know, and then later on, of course, in the series, he makes that mistake, and it, it ends up very badly for him. Yeah, uh, and right. Russell Crowe said the same thing to uh, 
Henry Cable in Man of Steel. Yeah. You will so, you will watch him rise, you will lead them into the sun. Yeah. Exactly. So epic level characters, they can't keep being the person who saves the day because frankly, it's overkill. You know, it's you need to you need to inspire other people to be you know, to to greatness. To Well that's what Gan all Gandalf was. Gandalf had his moments, but it, as I said, if you if you've read and and I tried reading the Silmarillion, it was I couldn't get past the first chapter, it was dry. But I understand that Gandalf was essentially a minor God on Middle Earth. Yeah. He kicked people along to get them to do the the things that they needed to do. Same with um, Dragonlance. Fizban, the goofy old wizard that was a friend of uh, Tasselhoff Burfoot, he was in actuality the good god Paladine. And so he was there on Earth as this, you know, bumbling, forgetful old wizard, helping the heroes of the War of the Lance get through the war and help bring the rest of the good gods back to Kryn and all that. But yeah, he was... I mean, these characters, Tannis, Flint, Sturm, Tasselhoff, Caramon, Raislin, um, after a while, T. They all it that the War of Lance again. That was another epic level quest because the world had been beaten down. The gods had supposedly turned their backs, and the oh, oh god, Gold Moon and Riverwind. I can't believe I forgot those two. Um, these characters were given little pushes by the gods. Uh, Gold Moon got the the staff of Mishakal and healed Fumasod, who got <coughs> slammed into the fire. <coughs> And then when she replaced the staff into the statue of Mishakal at Zaxara, she got the discs of Mishakal, and there was teaching other people about the gods that they never left. It's humanity got too cocky. They blamed the gods for something that that happened. The meteorite crashing into Istar. And so, the gods might help. There might be high-level power beings that will push the characters along, but that's it. That's all they do. They give that occasional little boot in the pants, the back of the pants, to get them going to say, no, you need to do this. There are higher things at stake than you losing your girlfriend, or your parents dying, or, you know, your, your town has been destroyed. There's bigger things at stake. <coughs> The fate of the universe, the fate of the country, the fate of the world is in your hands and you need to do this. And they don't right. even act like they're helping. It's just they'll give like an inspirational speech. Well, Gandalf, he did a little more. Fine. You know, he led armies to battle and then, you know, fought alongside them. He didn't like wipe out whole armies. Right. But Which he, he could have done. Yeah. Oh, no. Easily. But he even said in the book, and I think in the movie, you know, it's it's the little people doing good things that change the world. Gandalf was to just give a push here and there. You know. Right. Because it's their world. Right. Where it wasn't his. Well, it's the same with uh, the 12th Doctor. I believe it was the episode Kill Moon, where, yeah, the Doctor is this incredibly intelligent and well-known being who protects Earth. But as far as the matters of the moon, he sat back and let Clara and the young black girl, Courtney, decide the fate of the Earth and the moon. And then him and Clara got into the big argument about it. And he's like, no, I let you humans decide your fate. I did you a favor. And Clara didn't understand until much later. That was the episode where she said, don't talk down to me. I'll slap you so hard you'll regenerate. Um, but yeah, high-level characters can be part of these epic-level quests, but they're just there to maybe... It, it's when... And you can use this as a tool when you're running an epic-level campaign like this. You have that high-level character. He may seem a little goofy or a little senile or, oh, it's just so-and-so. Yeah, he's along for the ride. We like him. But every so often, you can use him as a plot device when the players are getting a little off course to sort of push them back. And it's, oh, it's just lovable old Fizban. You know, he, 
he, you know, did this goofy magic trick and, you know, he singed his eyebrows, but it, it was a moment of, you know, we got a laugh out of it. Okay, yeah, let's get back on the trail and get head to this destination. And it's actually him motivating him to see that there are still good things in the world. Wonderful plot device is the old goofy guy, basically. Mm -hmm. Which I said, Gandalf, he had his moments, you know, with his fireworks and all that. The doctor had his moments where he could be a goofball. Fizzban, yeah. I'm sure if you look through other quote-unquote epic level quests, you're going to find characters like that. And you're like, wait a minute, yeah, it's the old goofy guy Trav talked about. Yeah. So, real but, good, real plot device there. Right, but I really want to... Uh... Um, you know, it reiterate the fact that if you don't nurture, you know, by getting out of the way, if you don't nurture, you know, the next generation of heroes, you're never, I mean, unless you live forever, there's going to come a time when there are no heroes. Yeah. There's not going to be that person, that resource for rising up and stopping the big bad, which always reappears in one form or another because people, you know, the, uh, people are corruptible um, and, um, and bad things happen, even to good people. So, uh, you know, you, You've got to be uh, you'd be willing to you know fade so that the new generation can come forward and you know it's 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 a it only speaks well of your character that if if they can do it okay and it's it's not a bad way you know going going softly into that good night is not a a, a bad way for any epic level hero you know almost every epic level hero if they were really honest about it would say is it you know I dream that my end should be in a warm bed. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah. So, uh, you know, almost every epic level adventure takes place in some really cruddy place. So, all right. Well, thanks, uh, Trav, for helping me with this. And oh, yeah. thanks for all of our listeners for listening. And we hope that we have, you know, we, we've been saying for 10 years now that what we're trying to do is to bring the awesome to your game. And we, and if you're playing an epic level game and you are not bringing the awesome to your game, you're failing. It's Well, I also did mention that if you're, you, epic level gaming takes a whole new level of awesome because yeah. it's, it's right. gaming plus is the best way to describe an epic level game. So you know, each week we try to bring you some new idea about how to bring this aspect of your game awesome, that aspect of your game awesome. So we hope that you will go back to our previous episodes, and uh, especially we were talking about you know size matters, scale, uh, and some of those other ones, and and see how to make you know the 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 big bad epic, so that your characters can be epic against the big bad or whatever else you know the the, the where you, how you, you know, where you have to go how you have to get there you know take all these awesome tips that we have been giving you and please use them to create the most awesome epic level game that you could possibly imagine uh and and when i say you i mean the group you because each individual person is not going to be able to come up with as awesome a game as what you can call uh, collaboratively so thanks everybody for listening so you know to to paraphrase someone you know go out there and be awesome <laughs> and we'll have more for you next week but until then this is bruce sheffer saying there are a million million worlds out there so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast.
Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.